You're listening to the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Carbajal. Let's get started. Hello, listener. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I am your host, Elijah Carbajal, and I just want to first of all say thank you so much for listening. Um, I've just seen that we have listeners obviously from, from America. That's where I'm recording from. That's where most of the educator friends that I know are from. But I've also have some friends um, who have been listening from Canada. So big shout out to uh, Canada. Um, I've also seen some people listening in from Colombia and Australia. So what's up, Colombia? What's up, Australia? I'm so glad that you are joining me on this episode. Um, and I really appreciate um, your your listen your you listening uh, to this to this podcast. And I hope that you can take something away from it each time. This is episode two of a mini series called "More Than Just a Building." I started this mini series um, a few weeks back, um, based off of some comments that I've been hearing around on social media, and that's this: schools are closed. Schools are not closed. Um, I know that many of you may be returning um, to either, you know, some kind of face-to-face or hybrid model, or maybe you've been in that model the whole time. Here in New Mexico, we've been in a virtual setting the entire school year. Um, In fact, it's coming up on one year since our schools were closed. The building, anyway, was closed. That happened March 13th of 2020. So we are coming up on kind of this one-year anniversary of, you know, hey, we said we were going to be back in three weeks, and it's been a year. So um, it's definitely been an interesting ride for teachers here in New Mexico, as well as, you know, teachers around the world. I'm not saying that we're the exception here. Um, but it's coming up on a year now since the school buildings themselves have been closed. But with all that said, there is still learning taking place. There is still um, connections being made. Um, kids are learning and they're learning a lot of things that honestly, I'm not sure they would have learned in a face-to-face setting. Um, so they're learning a lot of, in you know, at least from what I've seen, from what I've heard from other educators, a lot of problem solving skills a lot of critical thinking skills because they've got to kind of work through some of the things that, you know, they, the teacher can't necessarily do because they're not face to face. Um, so kids are having to problem solve uh, very well. They're learning new technology. Um, you know, these kids, I can't imagine what, you know, what education for them is going to look like down the road. Um, with all the advancements in technology and all the different platforms that we've seen pop up because of this. But school buildings are closed, not the schools itself. We are still, class is still in session. Kids are still learning. Teachers are still teaching their butts off and making a difference. They're still shutting up and teaching. And that's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing to see. And so this mini series is just a way to sort of shine a light on um, some of those some of those big moments that teachers and, and other educators are having. Today, I have one story that I would like to read to you, and this comes from a friend of mine out in Chicago. He is a principal in Chicago. His name is Charles Williams, and I'm so glad that Charles, uh, that you submitted this. So if you're listening, thank you, sir. I'm very happy to read your story, which I'm going to get into right now. Charles says, 
When I first joined Plato, we were on the verge of shutting down. After some exploration, we realized that the issue wasn't just the curriculum, but the fact that nobody wanted to be at the school. We had a horrible culture issue. Students did not feel heard or safe, so they did not want to be in the school. They did not feel connected to teachers, so there were no relationships or incentives to participate and thus learn. Teachers weren't much different. We had rotating subs as we struggled with finding and maintaining teachers in the building. They did not feel connected to their colleagues or as if they had a voice in their school. Realizing this, we set out to transform the culture of the school. It took a few years, but we were able to make some tremendous strides, strides in establishing a strong, positive culture, and thus we saw some impressive academic results. When we left the school, I was worried about how we would maintain the very culture that we had worked so hard to establish. That was until we came up with some ways to continue the practices that we implemented over the past few years. A simple practice that I started was the announcement of birthdays. Our days traditionally started in our cafeteria where we were all together. During this time, we would make the announcements, remind students of upcoming dates, say the pledge, and our motto. When we added birthdays, students had the chance to come up get a bracelet, and be wished a happy birthday by the entire school. This became way more popular than I expected, so I've continued this practice during our weekly video announcements. Some students who have come to this school have even asked for their bracelets. I also spend a great deal of my time out of my office and in the spaces with my students, whether popping into their classrooms, eating lunch in the cafeteria, or playing during recess, I love to engage my students. Through our Google Classrooms, I've been able to continue visiting my students and intentionally pop in during scheduled movement breaks. Just this morning, I was doing exercises with my kindergarten students. They love seeing their principal joining them in these activities, and I want to be sure that I am able to maintain those relationships so that it is seamless when they return to the building. A staff favorite was final Fridays when we would choose a local establishment where we could eat and drink after work. It was a great time to connect outside of work and allowed us to get to know each other on a personal level level. We have continued this practice albeit virtually following our Friday staff meetings. We all take a break to go grab our treats of choice and then return for an hour or so just to hang out and connect. Whew, Charles, man, that there's a lot in there to unpack. Thank you so much, sir, for your story and for sharing everything that you are doing to make sure that your students and your staff still feel connected. Um, there's another principal friend of mine, um, Mike Earnshaw, who talks about, you know, it's relationships first, relationships always. I hear him say that. And Charles, I feel like you are really embodying this right here. Um, through birthdays, recognizing important, you know, I mean, that's obviously the most important date or one of the most important dates of a person's life because it's when they began their life. 
So it's really awesome for you to, you know, to see that, you know, you are continuing this practice even virtually, that uh, children still feel represented, that they still feel celebrated. And um, Charles, I love that you are also not just working to build uh, relationships with your students, but also your staff through things like, um, you know, virtual, uh, you know, hangouts, you know, with your staff. It's so great to see that because it's the entire school and the entire school has positive relationships, you know, uh, admin to teachers, teachers to students, you know, um, you know, all staff, you know, you know, building those relationships together, you know, that's what makes a school. That's, that's one of the big things that makes a school so successful and makes it such a great place to be at is the relationships that we have in place with our uh, fellow staff members and with our students. So Charles, thank you so, so much uh, for your story. When I asked Charles, um, is there a misconception, misconception about teaching virtually that you would like to debunk? Here's what Charles had to say. The biggest misconception that I have heard is that virtual instruction does not, is not productive for any of our students. We have a large number of students who are doing exceptionally well for a variety of reasons. First, I think that they are able to be in the comfort of their own spaces without some of the distractions that school may provide. Some students who consistently strive for the attention of their peers do not feel inclined to do so when they are not sharing the same physical space, so they are more focused on learning. Additionally, teachers have been forced to shift their instructional practices, and many have adopted approaches that provide access and opportunity to more students. Students who did not do well with a traditional lecture approach now can access the content in a variety of ways. And Charles, I'm sure that this is your hope and it's my hope as well that we see these things carry on, you know, as we, you know, eventually tr will transition back into an in-person model, you know, and hopefully, you know, I know my district is talking about hopefully, you know, by the, by the start of next school year, they're saying even there's a potential of returning to a virtual model if our state goes green um, before, that's, that's before the end of this school year. So I really hope, and I'm sure it's your hope as well, Charles, that we see these things continue on. Um, Charles, you brought up a lot of great points, you know, that this is working for some of our students. You know, this is working for a large number of them. Um, I can attest to that too, that, you know, I've seen students who, you know, who I've heard, you know, may be a little more distracted in class. Parents have told me, hey, my child is actually able to focus a lot more now that they're, you know, they're in a quiet room, you know, they're in their bedroom, it's their comfort, it's, you know, it's a space that's comfortable for them. So Charles, I echo that as well. I'm hearing the same thing from some of my parents. Um, so thank you again to Charles. I really appreciate the story and everything you had to say. Um, if you want to connect with Charles, and you should connect with Charles, because he is a fantastic person overall, a great um, educator, professional, you know, leader in his community and in his school. Here's how you can connect with Charles on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow him at at underscore CW Consulting. That's at 
underscore CW Consulting. But Charles also has a podcast that you should definitely check out. It's called the Counter Narrative Podcast. Um, you can follow this on Twitter at, at the CN Podcast. That's at the CN Podcast. Um, this podcast, I believe, is on Anchor. It's Apple, Spotify, Google, all the all the platforms. Um, it's definitely worth listening to. Charles gives some great reflections. Um, he also interviews guests on his show as well that bring a lot of insight. Um, you know, to the listener. So thank you again, Charles, uh, for your story. And listeners, please go follow Charles and check out the CN podcast. That's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you took something away. Remember, it's the buildings that are closed, not the schools. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with a friend or on social media. I always welcome feedback, so be sure to leave a comment about your thoughts on this episode. Until next time.